God, you guys may be seated. Um, well, good morning, everyone, for those of you guys here. And it's great to see more and more people every week. And I know Emily reminded me that for those of you on YouTube Live that are watching, uh, when I mentioned this last week, you didn't hear it because there's a, there, you guys don't get the five-minute fellowship component. And so I've just been putting out a challenge and, and putting that challenge to set a time in your mind that you want to return to in-person church. Because we know, I think each week it's changing, but about 75% of our congregation still is on either Zoom. That's why we extended it a little bit longer. And then uh, really the bulk of people are watching on YouTube Live. And we get it that some people, um, they have to. We have people that are out of town, and that's just the way they're part of our church. And that's incredible. We love you guys worshiping with us, being part of our church that way. Um, but if it's simply just, you know, I don't quite feel comfortable enough now, I just ask you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to burden your heart on when is good time, you know, to, to come back because there is a different energy um, and just, I don't know, it's a different feeling when we're able to gather in person. But we also do want to create that online. So it's really this balance. It's the new world, the new season of ministry that God has provided us with. So let me open us up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for being you. I thank you for this morning, Lord. Um, many here don't realize we kind of have this crazy power outage, Lord. And um, Lord, when we tried to solve it in our own understanding, flipping switches and, and making calls, Lord, nothing happened. But as the group got together and prayed, Lord, immediately the lights came on. And Many may want to say, oh, that's random, and no, it's not, Lord. We're not going to take away the glory from you because you're everything, Lord. So thank you, Lord, for all that you are, and help us, Lord, to have those hearts and understand, Lord, it is all about you. It is not about us, Lord. So we pray this all in your name. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, well, before last week, we were talking about renewal, revival, and God wanting to do something new. And I truly believe that. And so I've been unpacking. Last week, I started the vision for the church that God gave me three and a half years ago. And so last week, we talked about what exactly is vision? What is vision from a Christian perspective? We have to understand the way the world looks at vision is different than the way God does. And then I had mentioned that I was uh, in San Clemente on the beach and God said, unite the church. And I was like, what does that mean? And that there's brokenness. We just have to be honest and transparent and a lot of people don't want to call it out. Part of revival is understanding your sin, understanding the things you've done right and you've done wrong, confessing it, repenting, and turning around. That's what God wants to see. So if you haven't listened to that sermon to understand the first part of the vision, please go back and listen to that because our vision here, and I want to repeat it over and over, it's transforming the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. That's what I said three years ago. That's what I'm saying now. It's transforming the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. And we're going to do this by becoming maturing Christians, maturing. We're not going to stay where we are. We're going to grow. We're going to mature because really if you're not moving you're not growing. And if you're not growing, that means you're dying. We don't want to be dying Christians. We want to be Christians that are living for God, that are maturing each and every day. And so we want to become maturing Christians who understand, understand, and express the love of God. See, often we talk about expressing the love of God, but we don't really understand it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about transformation. What does that mean? And then, what is the love of God? And we want to look at that in its entirety. So we are transforming the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. 
We're going to do this by becoming, or God's going to do this through us. Let me rephrase that. By becoming maturing Christians who understand and express the love of God. And there's three L's that are going to help us do this, and we'll cover that next week. It's learning about Christ, living for Christ, and uh, leading others. So we need to learn about Christ, and we need to live for Him, and then we're going to lead others to Him. And so that's the vision for the church. And we'll talk here in a bit about how crazy that vision is and how impossible it is without God. But let's talk about transformation. What does it mean to be transformed? And this is where I love going to the original languages because oftentimes what Scripture is talking about, it's not what we think of or talk about today. And so in the Koine Greek, the word for transform is metamorpho. It means to change inwardly in fundamental character or condition. So when we talk about transformation, we're talking about an inward change in fundamental character or condition. And metamorpho comes from the root meta and morpho. So meta, it means change after being with. Isn't that kind of awesome? Change after being with. And then the second root morpho, it's changing form in keeping with inner reality. So it's this inner change, our inner reality, how we live, how we say, how we do, how we feel by being with something. And that something is God. There's a change that happens inside of us. You know, often when we talk about change, transformation, pastors love to use the illustration of a butterfly. But when you really think about it, that's really an inadequate illustration because a butterfly is changed on the outside. The outside appearance is different, but on the inside, it's the same. It's that same caterpillar it always was. It's just it looks a little prettier. So really, that's not a very good definition because we don't want to sound like or look like a Christian on the outside, but on the inside, we could care less. We talked about five of the seven churches in Revelation, and it tells us that you were doing all these nice Christian things. You were loving one another, but you forgot to love me. So we don't want to just have an outward change. We want to be changed on the inside. And a better illustration of that, and I don't know if we have any car people here, but it's something called a resto mod. And what a resto mod is, it's taking an old classic car and putting a modern engine in it, putting modern transmission, modern brakes, modern everything, modern stereo. And so it looks the same on the outside, but on the inside, it's totally transformed. And then it performs totally different. It performs better. It's more gas efficient. It's faster. And that's how we want to be as Christians. We want to be changed from the inside out. Because if we're only acting like it on the outside, maybe we're faking it. There's people that can sound like a Christian and act like a Christian, but they're not. They've just learned how to speak Christianese. So we want that inner change on the inside because we have been around God. So what does the Bible say about transformation? Well, part of transformation, part of the process of transforming, it's beginning to think the way God thinks and seeing things from his perspective, not the world's. Romans 12, 2, and we've mentioned this verse often, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. And we've talked about that spiritual renewal through the Holy Spirit. It's daily. We need that daily renewal. Then you will be able to test and approve what, the, what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to think different. We need to think the way God wants us to think, not the way the world wants us to think. Another aspect of transformation from a biblical perspective is it, become, it means becoming something new on the inside, no matter how you have lived or thought previously, or despite the things you have experienced or gone through. It doesn't matter how bad of a person you were. It doesn't matter the things you've done, the poor choices you made. It doesn't matter the things you've been through. You know, many people, they've been through situations, really tough situations, and for some reason, the world tells them that you're that. That abused person starts to think as an abused person. But God tells us through him, we are a new creation. We're something different. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone the new is here. Yeah, praise God for that, that despite what we've done, the choices we've made, the things that have happened to us, when we believe in Christ, when we trust Him, when we put everything we are in Him, when we've given Him all of our being, we are a new creation. Transformation means living for God through our faith, our trust and belief in Him. So now we have a different purpose and plan for our lives, that we live for God. Galatians 2, verses 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have a new purpose. There's something new that drives me and motivates me, and that's living for God not living for myself. It's not even living for my family. It's living for God first. He is the priority. Everything else comes after that. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says about transformation. So all of us who have, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the, uh, the glory of God, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. We're changed by being with someone in someone's presence. That's God. Now what Paul is talking about here, he's making reference to Exodus 34. And if you look at Exodus 34, it talks about how the skin on Moses' face, it shone so brightly because he was in the presence of God. Harrison was talking about that, being in the presence of God. So Moses, it, he was so bright. The glory was showing on his face. But here's what's so sad. The Israelites, they didn't get this, and they were afraid. They were fearful for being near Moses because his face was so bright, because he had been in the presence of God. So he had to wear a veil. So when he was around the people, around the Israelites, he covered himself with a veil. When he was in God's presence, he took that veil off. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying, when you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that veil's gone. You get to be in the presence of God. You get to experience His glory, His love. You don't have to be afraid. 
And by God doing this, by God removing that veil, the Holy Spirit, God in us, is able to start that process of transforming people to be more Christ-like. This is significant because it reminds us, on our own, we cannot. It is impossible for us to make the life-altering changes that God wants us to make in the way we think, we feel, and we act without the empowering and the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. We cannot make the changes God wants us to without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. We are not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. None of those things. Have you ever wondered why do you struggle with the old ways you used to think? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's jealousy. Whatever it happens to be, the old ways of thinking and acting when certain situations come up. That's because we need to rely on God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because our flesh, our earthly desires, and these aren't just like lustful desires. These are also things like anger and jealousy, not being patient. And believe me, that hits me all the time. I can get frustrated and impatient with people. I need the help of the Holy Spirit, and so do you. Galatians 5 verse 17 says, for the, uh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Again, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit's help. We can't. We're always battling what God wants us to do. This is why we need the Holy Spirit's help on a daily basis. We need that mental renewal daily, constantly, because our sin nature is always fighting the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk with the Holy Spirit leading you daily, and then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And again, it's not just like things you want, lustful things. They are the temptation to get angry. Randy talked about that at the end of last year. Or temptations to lash out, to be jealous of people, to start gossiping about people. All of these things are ways that our flesh get in the way of what God wants. So hopefully you get a better understanding of what transformation is. It's that inner change that we need to go through. So we're transforming, or God, we're praying, is transforming the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. So now let's talk about what Christ's love looks like. And this is so important because I don't think most pastors are really honest and transparent about this because we want to fill our churches, so we sometimes are tempted to, to preach a gospel that's really easy to digest. We want to preach a gospel that makes everybody really happy. We don't want to talk about the hard truths in the Bible. So one, and this is one that everybody understands, that Christ's love, it is sacrificial. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we know, above all else, God's love is sacrificial. It is also not based on anything 
we have done. We can't do anything to deserve God's love or how we treat God because we never treat God the way we should. So his love has nothing to do with our actions. Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even though we were in disobedience, even though we were doing the things that God hates because God hates sin, he still sent his son to die for us. It's sacrificial. It's not based on anything we've done. God's love is never-ending, and praise God for that. Lamentations 3, verse 22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. No matter how many poor choices, no matter how many mistakes we make in this life, God's love never ends. Amen. He loves us so much that he died for us. He sent his son to die for us. In the Bible, the more and you, more you guys dig into the Bible, the more and more you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, you truly will see that really every question you have in life, it's in the Bible. You just need to read it. You have to interpret it correctly. You need to understand it. And I love that the Bible, that God explains that his love for us like the love of a healthy parent. And I say healthy because there's parents out there that honestly, they're not healthy. So I'm talking about whatever, you know, society, whatever tells us is a healthy, loving parent. That's what God's love is like. First John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We are children of God. He is our Abba Father. How incredible is that? He's our daddy. The relationship, his love for us is like that of a healthy parent. And just like a healthy parent's love, and for those of you guys that are parents and all of us have had parents, so hopefully we have experienced some healthy love from a parent. Sometimes God's love is caring support. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Praise God. He is abounding in love. He's compassionate, slow to anger. Praise God for that. Psalm 51, verses 11 through 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. Shield of love. How awesome is that? That we have a God that he surrounds us with his shield of love to protect us, to care for us. Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Ah, we're reminded about the Holy Spirit's significance in our life in this verse. Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, so our being has to be in love, right? And it's in Christ's love. That's why we're talking about what exactly is Christ's love like. So we are being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge may be filled to the measure all the fullness of God. Basically, we cannot measure, we cannot describe how incredible God's love is for us. It surpasses knowledge. There's no way that we can know. We really can't articulate it very well because it's so incredible. It never ends. Growing up, and even now, I've never questioned if my parents love me. They're always, they have always been there for me. And I love that about them. You know, I know they love me unconditionally. They've sacrificed. They've done whatever they could to help me, to be there for me. And I'm so grateful for that. But as I think about growing up, there was times I was grounded. There was times I was told, you can't hang out with this person because they're going to get you in trouble because you're going to make poor choices if you keep hanging out with them. And there's times I was spanked. And you see, God's love, again, Scripture tells us, is like the love of a parent. Sometimes it's expressed through discipline and correction. Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. My son, again, the reference of like a father to his child, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 9. And have you forgotten the encouraging words, the encouraging words, God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. What was that? He punishes each one he accepts as his child, just like me getting spanked by my parents, even though they loved me unconditionally. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? And then towards the end of the Bible, we find Revelation 3, verse 19. To whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. No one wants to hear that second part of that. But see, that's the problem. We don't understand that there's two parts to God's love. There's a reason why God is referred to as the Lion of Judah, but the Lamb of God. He is the King of Kings who conquers as the Lion, but he is the sacrificial Lamb who died for us. 
So we want to see the Bay Area and beyond change their way of thinking. We're talking everyone in the Bay Area. We want to see them change their way of thinking, feeling, and acting. We want to see people in the Bay Area have an internal change from the way the world thinks, feels, and acts to the way God thinks, feels, and acts. That is a crazy vision. That is an insane vision. It is an impossible vision without God. Because what I hear more often is, you know what? We have to cater to what the Bay Area and beyond wants. We have to have a gospel that makes people feel comfortable and accepted and not judged. Is that what Scripture tells us? No. So we need God's help. And the only way that this vision is possible where we see the Bay Area and beyond transformed is through Christ's love for his creation, that is all of us, and Christ's love expressed through his creation. So Christ, we need his love first, and then we need to express that love. Christ did his part. He died for us in our sins because he loves us. It was that same love that he has for us that motivated and moved Jesus to leave those who he was closest to. He left the disciples and went back to heaven. Why? Because he said, if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit, God in us, will dwell in our hearts. And he will guide you and lead you and transform you into more and more of Christ's likeness. He will empower us to share God's love with others. So how do we do this? How do we express God's love? Because what I wanted to show you today is God's love, sometimes it's a gentle embrace, an encouraging word, and sometimes it's a challenge. It's saying, are you truly acting the way God wants you to act? And that's hard for people. You know, love is not always giving someone a hug and doing nice things for them. Sometimes the nicest thing you can do for someone is being real for them, being real to them and saying, you know what, perhaps you're not seeking God. Perhaps the way you're living is not in obedience to God. You should think about that. Because is it really loving to have those closest to us moving further and further away from God? Then closer and closer to him. I don't think that's the loving thing to do. So sometimes you have to challenge people to grow in their faith. And last week we talked about maturity. We talked about Romans, how it talked about those that are strong, meaning mature in their faith. They have to be patient with those that are a little, maybe, maybe just kind of starting their journey in faith. They don't quite understand Scripture as well. They don't know how to apply it. We have to be patient with them. And you see that theme of patience throughout Scripture when it talks about teaching and helping people grow in their faith. We need to be patient. So there's a few things we need to understand and a few things we can do. So today we're going to be, talk about the two things we need to understand, and next week we'll talk about the three things we can do, and those are the three L's. But today... The two things, one, we have to understand that worldly love, based on our definitions and our understanding, is not enough. The kind of love we want to express is God's love. Romans 5, 7 
through 8. And I love, again, this is so straightforward. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. I think it's pretty straightforward. Most people would not want to just give their life for a really nice, good person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for someone who is especially good. Yeah, some of you may be willing to give your life for a family member, someone you really loved, or some very positive person in society that's doing a lot of good things. You may be willing to give your life for them. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God did that. Incredible sacrificial love. He gave everything for us. Romans 5 verse 10. And here's the thing about being a sinner. For if, while we were God's enemies, see, as a sinner, we're doing things that are against God. And so, Jesus died for his enemies, people that represented everything that his father hated. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's the sacrificial love of God. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit, because it's impossible to die or very near impossible to die for a really good person, much less someone who is never doing anything God wants. It's very challenging to do that, to sacrifice. And, you know, most of us will never be called to die for someone, but we may be asked to prioritize someone, and that's really hard. I pray for God every day to help me. Don't get frustrated with this person. Don't be impatient with this person. And I think if we're being honest, we all need that help and that encouragement. So we have to understand worldly love based on our definitions and understanding it's not enough. And second, we need God's help through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to love the way God wants us to. Romans 5, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit helps us to love others, to express godly love. In Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to love the way God wants us to love. So if we want to see the Bay Area and beyond transformed, we want to see them change where they are living for God and not themselves, well, their perspective is, what does Jesus want? What does God want? Not, what do I want? then we need to understand and express God's love. And maybe one of the biggest challenges for us is to understand, again, God's love, Christ's love, the love that we need to express to others, it's like that of a healthy parent. Sometimes it's a warm embrace. Sometimes it's a spank on the butt. That's the reality. It's not easy. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. 
just like Scripture, people wonder, what is the Bible for? And they think it's to encourage us, to help us to keep going. It's to be that warm embrace. Psalm 119, verses one, uh, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Sometimes scripture, it is to help guide you and encourage you. 2 Timothy 3, 16, or 3 verses 16 through 17. All, skip, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What's righteousness? It's being in right standing with God. It's what God decides is right and wrong. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have to understand what's so incredible about God's word is it hits everything, every aspect of our lives. But we have to rightly divide it. Scripture tells us that. Study to sow yourself to prove so you can rightly divide the word of God and you don't have to be ashamed. That's what we want to do, church. That's the vision. Transforming the Bay Area and beyond through the love of Christ. But the first thing we need to do is understand what is Christ's love. That's what today was about. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us not just to be listeners of your word or hearers of your word. Help us to be doers of your word, as your word clearly tells us, Lord. Help us to understand, Lord, that if we want to see true transformation, people living for you, people everywhere making you the priority, Lord, that we have to understand your love in its entirety, Lord, and that love is what we need to express. That's the love that transforms, Lord. But we need you, Holy Spirit, in us. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to know, Lord, when someone needs a hug, when someone needs an encouraging word. Lord, and help us to know those times where someone maybe needs a stiff challenge, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, because on our own, we are incapable of loving anyone that way, Lord. We will do it the opposite. When someone needs a hug, we'll maybe give a stiff, a stiff rebuke. And when someone needs a rebuke, Lord, we'll say something loving, Lord. Help us to understand what you want us to do, Holy Spirit, because we cannot do it without you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts, transform us from the inside out, renew our minds each and every day, Lord. Help us to be the people you want us to be, Lord. Help us to be part of that vision, Lord, of transforming the Bay Area and beyond through your love. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.